You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Behind the Influence, a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. Read Dukeshire, and I did not you pronounce butcher that correctly. your last name. A, a, lot of, a lot of people struggle with it outside of North Dakota, but that mm-hmm. was good. Oh, I did? Yeah, you were on point. Wow, well, did you yeah, guys? Yeah, it's very good. Okay, great. Well, you know what? This is a 10 <laughs> out of 10 already. Ian Hecox is in the house, guys. Hello. If you don't know who Ian is, what do you know? I know that was aggressive, but if you don't know that name, we got to reevaluate life. Uh, I mean, the internet's a big place. I never assume anybody. You're pretty big has on the internet. Seen a hmm. video of mine. So Jack Conti has started a small platform called Patreon. We all know it. We all want to be on it. It's the reason so many creators are able to create. And you are such an inspiration because I I was telling Jack this before the interview. As you guys know, Behind the Influence is all about people who are literally behind the influence, the people who create the platforms that allow social media influencers to be social media influencers or creators. And Jack also happens to be very musically talented and has a creator past and present. So you fall on two sides of the coin. How does that, like, how do you even balance the two? It's really hard. The first five years of the company, I didn't nail it. So actually, that was a real struggle for me. And actually, it was probably a little bit of a, there was some darkness there for me, trying to figure out how to balance it, because I felt like, oh, God, I'm giving up my creative career, and I love being a creator. And so it was really hard, because, you know, I was becoming like a, you know, an operator and building a company. And and I actually kind of had to stop creating for a couple years. So that was, that was pretty rough. But then in the last three years, I've really found a way to, to still be prolific and, and make things. I fly down to LA once a month now and I do four music videos with one band, four with another band. And then we, you know, I'm now, at this point now I'm releasing eight music videos a month. So that's a lot. How do you find the time? And you're the founder of a massive, massive platform that you're very much involved in. It's not like you've just stepped aside now that's super successful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm there, you know, of course, every single day, and I'm working more than every day, you know, on on uh, making Patreon a thing. Yeah, starting a company is a is a triple time job. It's not the kind of thing you can just kind of 
not to. Because you can't half-ass these things. No, it's it, you can't. And yeah, it's been you know I've I've worked more in in my life uh, you know on Patreon than I've worked ever on it. I mean, it's been so intense. So mm-hmm. so yeah, that has been you know rewarding hard recently being able to in the last three years being able to combine it with being a creator again has made me feel like oh so i feel like i got my pilot light you know turned back on you know it it, it feels nice we're really excited to have you here obviously you represent the epitome of what we cover on this show people of influence and you are a person of influence because you are behind these people Mm. and helping them groom into these mega stars overnight and literally we're going to talk about the numbers of all the people that you have brought forth to us yeah lots of growth and i think i think it's because of you I don't know if it's all like we have an amazing team. Mm -hmm. I I got into this industry four and a half, five years ago by myself out of my bedroom. And to see what Night Media has blossomed into today has been incredible. I think we're just to throw out some numbers. We're over a billion views a month through 10 clients or across 10 clients. And I I believe we're at about that 88 million subscriber range. And that's pretty impressive when you consider it's only 10 individuals. You represent more than 10 people. That's just your top 10. We actually just have 10. So we keep it. So Night Media's philosophy, uh, just to get into this a little bit, so we usually only work with family-friendly creators. So we don't work with a ton of people that, actually we don't have any creators that really swear on their channels. It's something that we're, we're not necessarily against. We just don't like to promote it to children. And the second ones, we only work with with creators that want to be entrepreneurs and business people. And, you know, we found 10 that, you know, want to dig into this industry and want to keep YouTube at its core and want to do so much more. And that's why we've stayed small. The reason you're here is because of that. You were one of the pioneers in the YouTube space. And not only did you pioneer in a world that a lot of people didn't understand back in 2005, by the way, yeah. when people weren't really doing the YouTube thing. Yeah. I mean, YouTube wasn't really a thing. It wasn't a at thing. That point. It, it just recently, I think in the last decade has become a thing. In 2005, it starts with a little, a silly video, just you and your friend. Yep. And did you ever know that it would turn into this empire that has employed so many people and made so many people so much money? And yeah, we had no no idea whatsoever. It was just us, you know, messing around with the webcam. We started with lip syncs. We did the Power Rangers theme song. That was our first lip sync. And then we did uh, Mortal Kombat and then Pokemon. And then the Pokemon theme song music video was the video that like really, really blew up. And for I think a year and a half, it was the most viewed video on YouTube. And back in the day, there was no discoverability on YouTube. So the only way that you could find quote unquote quality content, uh, which that video looking back is not, the only way you can find quality content is if you went to the most viewed page, like most viewed of all time. Okay, so all those videos that have the most views must be the best videos on YouTube. That would be the theory, but you know, our video is up at the top and it was- why do you think? Why do you think it got so many views? Uh, is it because nothing, else like that was on YouTube and you guys were just kind of creating your own lane and people were curious because that's what I would think. Yeah. I mean, I think music is universal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why all the top view videos are, are music videos. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing. Pokemon is, you know, the, the sort of global unifier who doesn't like Pokemon. At that time, a lot of people were doing lip syncs, but a lot of people were just kind of standing there and just lip syncing. But we were also throwing in jokes into it so like kind of like criticizing the pokemon while we were singing the song just the fact that like pokemon in a strange way is like animal abuse so we had some like jokes i never (laughs) never thought of it i don't mean to laugh but i never thought of it yeah 
I mean, you're you're, you're forcing. Correct. It's 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 no different than a than a dog fight, and we don't allow that. No, we but, sure uh, don't. <laughs> so, so we uh, we kind of made some some jokes in the video. I think that's what kind of made it stand out from the other sort of lip syncs. Is we actually had a take on it. I'm not saying like it's supreme art, but also back in the days of YouTube, you're not really competing with that much quality content anything that's like sort of above like the worst quality ever will, would automatically rise above everything else so you have 10 of the most subscribed to followed youtube personalities in a time where youtube is it's hard to navigate right people yeah. die on youtube and i don't mean actually die but their content dies on youtube because they're not switching it up enough or whatever the reason is is it that you've found people who have staying power or is it that you have come up with a strategy for that staying power man i don't know how much i want to say here I, I tell think, me all your secrets i think most of it is is just lack of understanding of how youtube actually works most of our guys focus on a few things and yes they switch their content up yes they don't do the same video 10 times in a row like some creators make that mistake but you know, we really understand that a good video starts with a good title and thumbnail. Mm -hmm. And then once you get people to click on that video, it's all about getting them to stay and watch that video. So it's really just a combination of high click through rate, which is CTR and high average view duration. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's the, the two things that we really focus on. And as a creator, when those two dip, that's when it's time to either switch it up or say, okay, my fans aren't clicking on this video. Why are they not clicking on this video? Or why are they not staying and watching this video for their duration? We're gonna get into a little bit of your backstory before we give away all the secrets, but there was a time when all of this clicked for you and there had to have been moments in the journey mm -hmm. where you figured out the secret sauce and, and to even figure out to work with influencers. Would you remember a time in your career that this all kind of came to fruition for you? Yeah, there, there's a few, I honestly don't even think we're at first space yet like we have so much more to accomplish as a company mm -hmm. and yes we work with some of the most influential people on the internet but there's a lot that we have to accomplish with those individuals and we really dig into their businesses but when I was I was an NFL sports agent before I got into this industry and I met Dude Perfect so this was 2015 Dude Perfect was still small not the Dude Perfect we know today they're like two million subscribers and I met them and at the time we were working with large NFL clients we had Odell Beckham Jr. and Richard Sherman and Marcus Allen and Barry Sanders. And so like we were at the top of this NFL chain and it was a lot of fun. But when I met Dude Perfect, advertising agencies and brands were asking me questions that they weren't necessarily interested about Odell and Richard. They were going, tell us more about Dude Perfect hmm. or those trick shot guys are really interesting. Why don't you come to the office and tell us more? And that was kind of like my first aha moment was, OK, people are actually looking at this to be a viable marketing you know, medium. I left three months later. People still thought I was crazy at that time. Like nobody's going to buy a dude perfect video. Like people aren't going to spend money on YouTube. But eventually after pitching it for six to eight months, people started to spend money. And that first one was Callaway Golf. Callaway mm. Golf came in in a very conservative golf industry that's predominantly marketed towards older individuals, came in and bought a dude perfect video. And this was the first thing I had done with Dude Perfect. And then they came back for a second video. And that's when I knew, okay, this is something that's going to be massive. For people who don't know, who did you do the video with? Yeah, so I did the video with my childhood friend, Anthony. We met in like the sixth grade. And we did it out of sheer boredom. We had just graduated high school. I was 17. He might have been 17 as well. Yeah, at the time, he was also 17. Did uh, you guys go to the same high school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we went to the same elementary school, middle school, high school, 
best friends, and we were both bored. All of our friends were going off to real colleges. We were staying in Sacramento, and we are going to go to a community college. So we were pretty bored over the summer. We had actually started making videos and posting them on MySpace before we even knew what YouTube was. And the only reason we found out about YouTube so early was because somebody had stolen our video and uploaded on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. So that's how we actually found out about YouTube was because somebody had ripped our content. Uh, so we started uploading. Kind of a compliment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So we started uploading on there. It started getting the views and to us over a hundred views was insane. Yeah. And at that time you could just refresh YouTube and see the counter go up. Mm -hmm. So like we would just like refresh and see like, Oh my God, there's five more views. Oh my God, there's 10 more views. So that was, that was a weird experience for us. You know how some artists become managers of other artists and yeah. they're like, now where's, where's my moment? Where's my stage? You know, like I, I would imagine that it could be hard to see other people creating when you really want to create, but you're also creating something, but on a different level. Absolutely. Yeah. Before I, I figured out a way to kind of be a creator and do the business. What was the secret? Well, uh, well let's see. The secret was um, amazing, working with amazing people and letting go a little bit of all the details. It was really hard because as a creator, as an artist, like I, you know, when we, when Pop Moose originally was making music, I was you know, doing all the instrumentation, all the mixing, all the mastering, you know, um, it was still a, a partnership with Natalie, but, but I had full 100%. I had my hands on, I was sculpting the whole thing from the video to the editing to the everything. And, um, now Pomplamoose is like 15 contractors. Right. And like, and we've slowly let go of like, okay, we're letting go of the video editing. Okay. We're letting go of the audio mixing. Okay. We're letting go of the mastering. Okay. Now we're going to let go of some of the production and like one step at a time, you kind of take a step back, but you still get to do the things that are exciting to you as an artist and that give you a voice as an artist. So I still feel like, you know, before we were able to do that, I kind of felt like I didn't have vocal cords anymore. I was like, oh, shit, like somebody took my vocal cord. I can't speak anymore. And now I feel like I got my vocal cords back. And even though my voice is a little different than it used to be, in some ways it's like even more exciting and more beautiful and more fun because it combines the creativity of other people too. It's not just my soul vision. It's like the vision of this wonderful group of 15 people and they get to be creative and do their thing. So it's been really wonderful. And so you leave the sports world behind. Yeah, I did. I packed up my car. I worked so hard to get into the sports industry too. I, I was just going to say, that's a saw. hard, that's a hard career to kind of break it's, into. It's almost impossible to break into because there's not that many sports agents. It's very difficult. It's easy to get a certificate to be a sports agent. It's very difficult to represent a guy that actually makes an NFL roster. And so I saw the movie Jerry Maguire just like everyone else did when they were younger, and I thought it was a sexy industry. I, I lived in Las Vegas, and I used to travel back and forth from Las Vegas to L.A. and literally just sit in lobbies like CAA and athletes first and like all these different lobbies I would just sit and wait for agents to come out and then I would hand them my resume and I'd be like just give me an opportunity like I, I promise like it's going to be worth it what was monetization like back then did you guys even think that this was something you could make money from that no. early on there's no way of monetization I mean like I guess we we had uh sort of like the first uh patreon in a sense where we just not like solicited our viewers for donations, but we said like, hey, we want to film with more than just a webcam that's tied to the computer. We we would like a handy cam. So people actually donated money to us to buy a handy cam so that we can actually go beyond Anthony's 
the bedroom and then we put their names and their like donation i think we even put their donation amounts like on the screen of our videos so like at the end of the video it's like thanks to this person for donating thirty dollars you're so ahead of the times because i yeah. feel like that was a very early iteration of what actually ends up happening in a sense you were living it because you this was something that was missing from your life you didn't just create patreon because you were like oh this is a really cool idea that you'll see like on some home shopping network that you thought was some great invention this was something that would affect your life directly yeah i as an as a creator um, I had just finished a music video that I spent about 10,000 bucks on. I drained my savings account. Oh my I gosh. maxed out two credit cards to make How it possible. How old were you at this time? I was 28. Were you married at the time? No. I wasn't married. So it's a video called Petals, okay. and it's on my personal YouTube channel. You will love this, Steven. Steven's our, our camera guy, DP, master of all things, but yeah. He it's awesome. It's it's a wild video. Yeah, I, I literally built, by hand, I built a replica of Millennium Falcon cockpit to be the set for the video. I mean, I, like, I built the whole thing, like, <laughs> hot gluing things, and, like, it took me three months. I mean, I was working 19-hour days. My hands were, like, cracked and bloody and painted, and, like, I was, I mean, I was all in on this video. That's a lot of money. for. Tw I'm thinking about when I was 28. <laughs> Dropping 10 stacks on something, like, that's insane. It was insane. I, I... It was not a good idea. I mean, it was a. I, mean, I was, it worked out. It worked ultimately. out. Ultimately, it was illogical though, and I and I knew that going into it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be illogical right now because like, I'm a fucking tomorrow. artist. Yeah. My lights just went out. <laughs> Let's get some hot glue guns. There you go. I was like going to Home Depot and Joanne's Fabrics, and like it was Do a it. crazy time. Not sponsored. But the idea. So, I mean, I mean, the the whole reason that Patreon came up was because I was about to post this video that I like poured my soul into. When I posted videos at that time, they got about a million views. So I knew I'd get about a million views and I came out with this video and I'd get my ad revenue check from it to be 150 bucks. And I couldn't stomach the idea of having spent 10 grand on this thing. That's gonna reach a million people. It's not like I'm a starving artist and I like can't right. find an audience. Like I found my crew, right. I found the people who like what I have to say. And I put that on the web and then I get a million, I reach a million people around the world and I get paid 150 bucks. Like what the fuck kind of system have it's we bullshit. built? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit. And that, that was the thing. I thought there's gotta be a better way here. There's gotta be a way, like if you involve fans, fans wanna help. They wanna support, right. you know, you know. I sort of sketched out this idea for a membership platform like KQED or, you know, um, WBEZ in Chicago or SFMOMA where people, you know, the fans of a thing can pay five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month in exchange for exclusive access or whatever. And, uh, and it worked and here we are. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+.
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. the Pokemon theme song music video was removed for copyright infringement, we were like, hey, you know, we should probably start making more original content that's not using other people's stuff. And so from that point on, pretty much we were we were wholly original content, not using copyrighted music or, you know, images or whatever. So we then sort of transitioned to uh, sketch comedy and that's kind of the road we went down. So sketch comedy for the first few years of YouTube was kind of like the king of YouTube. Like everybody wanted to do sketch comedy comedy and you know there's channels like balloon shop that really peeves me off why would you knock the drink out of his hand why would you do that why would you do that the lonely island uh lonely island obviously andy sandberg akiva and yorma who then went on to snl and then bigger and bigger things hello welcome to the party hi i've never met you before i know just two guys and we're having a good time uh Derek comedy which is where donald glover or charles gambino came from that opposite day everyone a sad one to you too sir sad opposite day sir <laughs> james good evening sir um, can i not ask you something about opposite day no no but sketch comedy is really hard to continue and it's expensive it's more expensive than just doing a vlog like you need to like hire people and you know writing sketches and shooting it and editing it takes a little bit longer than normal kinds of things so a lot of people burnt out on making sketches i packed up my cars like mom dad like i'm driving to dallas where dude perfect is based i'm leaving for smart management which was the sports agency and they're like wait what i thought you've worked a year and a half to get this job you've done it for nine months and now you're gonna leave i was like yeah i think i can do this and they're like well you know we trust you and good luck and you know they supported me which you know was number one and then Number two, it was then figuring out who are the next big channels that are going to pop up on YouTube. And luckily, then met Typical Gamer, who was mm -hmm. live streaming Grand Theft Auto. And 
saw him pulling 5,000 viewers to 8,000 viewers to 12,000 viewers, and he just continued to grow. And that's when YouTube gaming became a thing. So then was your full-time focus just kind of scouting this this next crop of influencers and mega digital personalities? And, and how did that day look for you? Were you just sitting there on YouTube all day? Not really. I was sending a lot of cold emails at that time okay. because I, I was working pretty closely with Dude Perfect and I was trying to bring in business for them. Wasn't really interested in signing a ton of people. I always understood that talent management wasn't scalable. It wasn't a scalable business model. For me, it was I just wanted to work with individuals that I enjoyed working with, and then I wanted to become business partners with them and do something much bigger than just create YouTube videos. And for me, that was always you know where I wanted to take this. But at the time, there were so many different people popping up on YouTube. It was hard to keep up like it is today. It's like there's so many channels with a million subscribers. How do you figure out which one to work with? Mm -hmm. So I, I was just getting to know people, sending a lot of cold emails, talking with advertising agencies, and really just building my Rolodex. So at that point, what was the game plan for you? Did you think you were going to start an agency? Is Was Night Media even in the No, it wasn't vision? even really a thing yet. I okay. just was enjoying what I was doing, and I was going to eventually figure out how to make it a business. But at the time I wasn't even thinking that I was just thinking, man, I'm not making any money. How do I convince Callaway golf and BMW to spend money on dude perfect so I can actually bring in some income. That's really all I was concerned about at the time. And then it eventually to now what night media has become is pretty crazy. I don't think yeah, I ever so, imagined. Yeah. So a lot of things happen between that first deal mm -hmm. and today. Um, today you represent 10 huge personalities. We were going over your your top five, and that doesn't mean they're your favorite. How do I <laughs> yeah, say Yeah, you're going to get me in trouble. Not, I wouldn't say top five because they're all incredible, but you've yeah. got Preston, Mr. B, Sunday, Unspeakable. You can look at it in a few ways. Views per month or subscribers or social reach. Just I guess facts. There's different We're looking ways. at facts. We're not yeah. asking the godfather to pick the favorite yeah. child. That would I, be unfair. I love them all to death. Yeah, of course you do. And uh, they're all really talented. <laughs> so you get this roster. How does How does this happen? So, okay, so was working with Dude Perfect. Then I met Typical Gamer. Twitch, we talked about you had someone on from Twitch earlier. Twitch was obviously taking off, and Amazon had just acquired. It was called Justin TV. YouTube Gaming then starts, and I was starting to work with some of those live streamers that were popping up on YouTube that were just live streaming mm -hmm. on the platform. And that's really how it started. And then 2017, about February 2017, I met an individual named Preston. He had a Minecraft channel called Preston Plays with about three and a half million subscribers. We were in the same city. I was living in Dallas. I had no idea he was in Dallas. And a friend of mine who's also a YouTuber, Nico Vald, introduced us through Twitter DMs. I do most of my business, weirdly enough, through Twitter DMs. I've you never slide recruited into the DM? anyone. No, they slide into mine. Oh, they slide um, into you. I've DM. never like recruited a person to sign them. It's usually them coming to me and asking questions, is how it usually starts. Hey, I saw you work with so and so. Like, can you tell me a little more? And that's how it works with Preston. He introduced us. We went out to coffee, sat there for about four hours and just kind of talked about family and faith and business and, you know, just had a good time. And eventually, about 30 days later, him and I started working together. And that's when Night Media took off. Right out of high school, what makes you think I'm qualified to be doing sketch? Because like you said, it's not just about hiring people like you could have the money. I know people who have all the money in the world. But if you're not a good writer, if you don't have good ideas, not going to fly. So how did you guys 
get to the place where you were qualified enough to do successful sketch comedy? I don't think we were qualified at all. <laughs> well, what, something made you think yeah. you were. I mean, it's really, we just kind of paid attention to the feedback on YouTube. And I know that's not always the best idea to read the comments, but uh, some people had some pretty constructive criticism, said our acting sucked and our ideas sucked. So we continued to go to community college, but only in classes that applied to whatever we were doing. So we took some acting classes, we took some writing classes, we took some improv classes, took some uh, film classes. And then once we burned out on those, once we did all those classes, we just left. But with, with sketch comedy, you know, it, it takes a lot of time. We were out of high school, so we were living in our parents' house. And, you know, we start to have bills. So you have to find some way to create an income. And so the choice was either, well, you try to find a job and then find some time to make sketches, or you can commit fully to creating sketches and try to build a business doing that. So that then turned our focus. What did family think about that? Family was totally down. They were I mean, down we, there. We weren't supportive. doing anything better. Well, because I think now it would be a lot easier for, you know, a 15 year old or 16 year old to convince their parents like, look, Jake Paul's making twenty two million dollars a year. So can I. 2005, 2006, whenever you were doing it, that was not the case. So you right. didn't have a case study to point to and say, these people are making a living doing this. I'm going to build an empire. You had literally nothing but your own drive. And an idea. Yeah. And we had viewers. You so had viewers. I think my dad's an accountant, so he he kind of understands business. And I think we had viewers, so that had to have meant something. And it's like, oh, well, if we're getting similar views to like a local TV show or something, like yeah. that, that's gotta that's gotta mean something. Like there's gotta be a way to to monetize that. There was no way at that time in in regards to ad revenue. I remember our first brand deal we did for $500. That was a big deal to us. But we we found other ways of, of monetizing. We uh, started selling merch. And I think we were some of the first people on the platform to do that. We knew this like guy that worked out of a warehouse down the street that was a screen printer. Pretty sure he had one leg, but he never showed us. Um, <laughs> but uh, we... I, I, need to, I need to find out. So we... So then we started like marketing our merch and like these little sort of like funny commercials at the ends of our videos. Oh my God, guess what? What? Look at my shirt! Holy gobstoppers! It's a new small shirt! We would have this guy screen print all the shirts. Then Anthony had a program that would take all the orders in with like their names and their addresses. And then we would package all the shirts ourselves. We would then load all the shirts into his car. And then we would drive to USPS and get very ugly looks from the workers there because we'd be mailing out maybe hundreds of shirts at a time. Oh, my God. Uh, but that was the way that we first sort of supplemented the income for, for the business. That and was that was so entrepreneurial. I knew I was going to fuck that up. Yeah. Every time I try to say that one. But you know what I mean, guys. Entrepreneurial of you. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> we didn't have any I mean, we didn't have any choice. It was like that was our only option. It was try to sell merch to create an income to stay out of a job or work a job and not be able to create content. So And you're so young to figure that out. Yeah. Well, I think I think I probably had some advice from my dad too. Yeah. We didn't really have any other choice. It's just like that was the only way to do it at the time. And you're still going to school at this point. Yeah. And what were you majoring in? Was it anything to do with this world? No, it was just general ed. We didn't really know what we wanted to do. I, I think Anthony thought he would get a business degree, but I think he didn't really know quite what that 
meant. Mm -hmm. He's just like, I don't know. Business sounds nice. And he was already, he was running the website on his own. So he kind of already had like a knack for entrepreneurial kind of like. Look at you. He just things. said it the first time. Did I do it? Like, Did I say it right? It was like butter. <laughs> I'm really jealous. You'll get it. Okay. Well. You know, we, we didn't have any sort of set plan and our parents didn't have any expectation for us to become lawyers or doctors. So there was nobody pushing us in a specific direction. So that kind of allowed us to kind of just see that this is a big opportunity, that it was our only chance to possibly take. So we just kind of went full into it. So I've interviewed a ton of YouTubers who are wanting to leave YouTube and they're very, very honest about it. And it's because of what you just said. They put their heart and soul into these, the content that they make and content's getting really good. You know, people are putting a lot of money into their content. And then so many of them has, have said to me, that's why I put content on Patreon. I put my quality content there. It's like they're entrepreneurs of their own world. And that's why companies like Patreon work. That's why companies like Fanjoy work, which I interviewed Chris, who is the founder of Fan, uh, Fanjoy. Why am I stuttering? <laughs> so I interviewed Chris, the founder of Fanjoy. That's why it's hard. Founder of Fanjoy. See? Oh. You try it. The Fanjoy of founder. Yes. yes. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, that's basically was his business model too. It's like yeah. these creators are making more money selling t-shirts and hoodies than they are on YouTube. Which is like, what the hell year are we in? Right. And what what system of converting content into paychecks for the people who make the content have we built and deployed globally such that your best chance at making it as a creator is freaking putting your logo on a t-shirt and selling a t-shirt. Like, that's not what that's not why you're valuable in the world because right. you make t-shirts. You're right. valuable because you tell stories that people love that resonate with your fans. Mm -hmm. Like we should have a system where the stories that creators tell that resonate with their fans where that is their business. Right. And and you don't have to do all the other extraneous bullshit to kind of cobble together a living. That's a dumb system. And unfortunately, that's the reality for creators right now. Yeah. I mean, at the end of every YouTube video, it's like, swipe up for this merch. It's like, that's how they're, JoJo's bows for JoJo Siwa and like all the hoodies that Jake Paul sells. That's how they're making their money. And I think what we've essentially, yeah, the, the kind of state of the industry that we're in right now is we've figured out, you know, in order to, zooming way out for a second, yeah. in order to kind of put up the first phase of the web, we basically ma made the web free, right? We said the web is free. You pay with your attention and with your privacy. Right. Because what we essentially do is we track every movement you make on the web. And then we sell information about you, aggregated, right. but we sell information about you to people who want to change your behavior, advertisers, you know? Um, I don't know how deep I can get no, into this No, I'm loving this. this. I'm like, okay. someone smart is talking. <laughs> I love it. But that's essentially what I just described as the economic engine that right. drives the production of content on the web right now. Consumers pay with their privacy and with their personal information and with their attention. And that gets converted into the paycheck for creators. But it turns out that essentially that's a very inefficient system and it takes millions of people, millions, because advertisers are interested in reaching millions of people. It takes millions of people in order to convert to a paycheck for a creator. Whereas if you have 10,000 people who listen to your show, that's a basketball stadium full of humans who love what you have to say. Like, in what world should that not be enough to make a living? Like, the, we need a system on the web where 10,000 people is enough. Oh, and, yeah. And that system is more like a consumer payment system. It's more like, heck, freaking Disney's doing it now. Disney Plus. Right. right? 
New York Times is doing it. They have a subscription portion of New York Times, which is now bigger than their advertising business. So consumer payments is, you know, going back to, to what I said before, on, you know, in terms of phases of the web, that initial phase of the web where the primary economic driver is this advertising model, we're shifting to a new phase. I think over the next, you know, decade or two, 10 to 20 years, we're going to see consumer payments start to be... I hope so. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I mean, it's already happening. It is. It yeah. is. And, and you're one of the driving forces in that. So you should be really happy about that. Yeah. For people who don't understand how Patreon works, would you mind just giving a high level explanation of the platform? Yeah. So the way Patreon works is a fan can um, pay five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, honestly, whatever the tiers the creator creates. A fan can pay a subscription pledge to a creator in exchange for exclusive community, early access, extra episodes, behind the scenes interviews, extra photos, basically extra content and community and interaction. Mm -hmm. um, and Patreon is a system that allows creators flexibility to build and run whatever membership they want. If they want to have, you know, $5, $10, $100, if they want to have $25, $50, $200, and then you can load whatever benefits you want into those tiers. Early access, exclusive access, exclusive community. We have integrations with community platforms, all this kind of stuff. So you can kind of do whatever you want to do as a creator. And for creators, it's an amazing way to essentially build a super close fan base. You own your audience as a creator. Like, we, you get their email addresses. Like on what other platform do you get the right. email addresses of the people that are actually like fans of you? Right. And you make so much more money than you would by ad revenue. We have creators making literally 50 to 200 times what they make through ad revenue by just letting their fans contribute five bucks a month for an extra episode. What did you do? What was your secret sauce and what was your offering to these people that helped them go from 3 million to say 20 million subscribers? Yeah, well, it, it ultimately falls on them to produce good content. The one thing that, that we really focus on that we understand is it's a business. And so most of these YouTube creators that you meet, and this was, you know, 2010, 12, 13, 14, YouTube was just an individual in front of a camera editing his or her own videos and creating their own thumbnails. That is not 2018, 2019 YouTube. You have to have a creative director, a post-production manager, a head editor. A, like you need to have specific people on your team to help where you can kind of take a step back as a creator and just focus on, okay, what's today's video? okay, what's tomorrow's video? And that creative director really needs to help you flesh out like, okay, what do my fans want to watch, right? So what we've really focused on is helping them build teams internally so they can just be talent. And that's what they should be. They shouldn't have to play 15 different roles. And as we're looking to start other businesses or whether it's a consumer product or we're starting a mobile gaming company, they can't focus on that things if they're editing their own videos and making their own thumbnails and coming up with all the creative. It's just not feasible. And so for us... You know, most of our clients now have taken a step back, hired the specific individuals that they need on the team, mm -hmm. and then they also understand the data behind why YouTube videos perform well. What What is the common thread between all of these talent, all of this, you know, the digital personalities versus the other ones we're seeing on YouTube? So for us, like we focus on two things. This is what we were talking about a little earlier. The first pillar is they need to be family friendly. We only work mm -hmm. with family friendly creators. It, it's a di little differently if your audience is in their 20s and 30s and 40s. But most of the audience that we have for creators is like 6 to 12 years old. Some mm -hmm. of them skew a little older like Mr. Beast and Mini Lad and Typical Gamer. But for the most part, that's where we sit. And so family friendly is one. And that second one is we only work with creators that want to be more than just YouTubers. They want to have to be business people. They want to be entrepreneurs. 
they're really good at using YouTube as that core and then building businesses from that, if that makes sense. So those are like, as I look at all of our clients, our, our 10 clients, that's two things that they all have in common is they really want to do more than just be a YouTube creator. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It doesn't really sound like you necessarily had an agenda either. It wasn't like some people start a YouTube channel because the ultimate goal is to be an actress, a series regular, or they want to break into music. It just seemed like you guys were throwing things to the ceiling and seeing what stuck that you enjoyed doing. But it didn't seem like you had a, well, we're doing this because we want to be, you know, movie stars in five years. Yeah, I'm a very much go with the flow kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't have aspirations, I guess I would say. <laughs> like I Well though, look at you. <laughs> you just fell into a lot of success. I know, I know. But but I think you but know you worked very hard for I, that. I didn't have know? I didn't have any I didn't feel like I deserved anything. You know, I think a lot of people, actors, you know, they, they put a lot of time into this dream of becoming an actor and then when they get sort of a taste of success then they feel like i deserve this mm. like anything anything that comes my way i don't feel like i deserved it i mean i worked towards it and it happened and then i just try to you know not take anything for granted and that's just kind of been the way that i've always kind of looked 
at our career, it's like, just kind of go with the flow, go with like wherever this crazy thing is taking us. Would you say that that has a lot to do with the 15 plus years of success this brand that wasn't a brand at the time has seen because of your mentality and because of your attitude towards everything you were doing every day? Yeah, I think so. And I wasn't looking to use Smosh as a platform to become a television actor or, uh, you know, a director or anything like to me, all those things are awesome and I love doing them and I'll take those opportunities if they come, but Smosh has always made the most sense to me as like, that's my sort of base. That's Mm -hmm. what I understand. And it's what I think that we're good at and everything else is, is nice, but there's probably other people that are better at it than me. So you're creating content, you're making, you're getting little brand deals here and there. You're selling merch just to keep things afloat. When did it become something that you felt like wasn't a hustle struggle? It was more of like, okay, we have a system going and this is, this is a real business. Was there like a video that went viral? Was there a moment of validation can you remember a time when it felt real? Because I'm sure it took a while to feel like a real, quote unquote, real job. Say in like 2007, mm-hmm. we were contacted by um, this guy, Barry Blumberg. He was um, a Disney television executive that had left Disney and he was kind of looking for the the next thing to focus on. And he sort of saw, you know, online media as being this sort of next thing. So he started working with us and was like, if you guys want to do this for a long time, you need to start thinking of Smosh as like a comedy brand. Not so it was now Smosh. At this point, you had evolved into Smosh. Yeah. I mean, Smosh was a name that we had actually had since sophomore year of high school. Okay. Um, so that was not like evolved into the name Smosh. You guys always yeah. kind of called it Smosh. Yeah. That really worked out because like at the time of like the beginning of YouTube, everybody was like their channels were just like their names. If we didn't have Smosh, we might have called our channel like Ian and Anthony Productions, right? which doesn't exactly lend itself to longevity. But luckily we had this great name because it was a it was an inside joke that our friends had came up with. And then Anthony created a website for it. And then when the YouTube videos started picking up, we were like, well, let's just continue to have it tied to this Smosh name. At that time, it was just Anthony and myself as the faces of Smosh. And it was Barry that, you know, sort of said, if you guys want to be doing this 10 years, 20 years, whatever years down the road, it needs to be more than just you two. It needs to be a brand. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we weren't thinking of at the time. I don't think that was something anybody's thinking about at the time. Nowadays, every Instagram model is like this is my brand everything my brand is, is happiness brand, brand. and beauty and right. positivity everybody's thinking like what their brand is now but back then it's like no our channel is like we're just like two guys but it made a lot of sense to say that we always just kind of like went by the flow that i guess that's not completely true like we we did have this vision of what Smosh could become. I mean, just from the beginning, you screen printing your own merch. You may have been go with the flow and attitude of like where this goes, but you were very much um, proactive in everything that you guys did. Like the merch, the Patreon, your own version of Patreon. (laughs) Yeah, that ended. Once we started like actually getting money from merch, we're like, okay, we can't just ask for money from people. We can't just be like, can I have $5? We'll give you a shout out at the end. Yeah, we we stopped doing that. We were like, okay, that's just kind of, 
wrong. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not shit-talking Patreon. I think Patreon's great. But you were um, not, pa- I mean, we you were, were just saying Patreon. $5, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were like, hey, we'll shout you out in a video if you give us 30 bucks. <laughs> okay, so you have such an eye for talent. Is there anybody on YouTube right now that you're kind of, that you're not, that is not signed to Night Media? Someone on YouTube that you've got your eye on, you think that they have something going. <sighs> I know you have. (laughs) There honestly isn't. Like, I'm trying to think. I don't watch a ton of content outside of our clients. Because you don't even Um, have time to think about signing anyone else. Yeah, it's I'm I'm pretty focused on our 10 individuals. Are are there some creators doing some awesome stuff? Yes, there is. Uh, Even people that we don't represent. You know, like, I think David's content is amazing. It's very authentic. Why do you think people watch David Dobrik? He's funny. His supporting cast is also awesome. Like, they're just fun individuals and they're at that age where they're like 18 to 22 years old right in that college age so they have a large fan they have a large fan base of probably 16 to 24 maybe younger mm-hmm. i don't know it's just something about his four minute videos too they're just easy to consume so there's all these like there's the clout gang there's team 10 yeah. there's you know david's crew i already forgot what they call the vlog squad. oh yeah the vlog how could i forget yeah. the vlog squad how come you guys don't have a gang name I, we don't need to have a gang name. Ooh, I, ooh, I don't know. Like burn. we're we're successful without it. No, I, I actually believe you. Preston. So <laughs> Preston used to have the pack. It was Vicstar, Lachlan, Musilk. No, no, no. Vicstar, Lachlan, Bayesian Canadian, and Rob and Preston. They were called the pack. That was a Minecraft blew up. But they've all kind of separated. Do you think that's a smart marketing play to have your little <laughs> squad and do? collabs do they collab some we of your... don't really do collabs okay night media clients collab internally with each other okay. but we don't do a lot of outside collabs there's a few reasons for that one is we don't want people subscribed to our channels that aren't going to click on videos and sub boxes so for instance if jimmy would go do a video with james charles and 250,000 james charles fans would sub to mr beast then that video hits sub boxes and those 250,000 people don't click on it that hurts our ctr so that's why Very we don't that's why we don't do collabs outside of our genre, right? So Preston will do collabs with other kids creators because he knows that, oh, those fans will click on my videos. But we don't do like David Dobrik, for instance. Like, I don't know if we'll ever do a collab with David because we don't know if he'd cl- their, his fans would click on our videos. YouTubers don't think about it like that, but they should be because the goal is to have 100% active subscribers. When you post a video, all of them click on your video. Hence, you have a high CTR. When you just inflate your subscriber numbers by doing collabs, you're actually hurting your channel. What advice would you give someone who wants to go on Patreon and be a successful creator on the on the site? Yeah. Step one is make great stuff that your fans love. Um, if you don't quite have a fan base yet, uh, Patreon doesn't work as well for you. Um, it's really a membership platform. Right. Uh, it works great for creators who are who have already kind of found what they want to make and then seen that reach people. So this isn't like a throw shit to the ceiling and see what sticks. This is like a come with your audience. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and it's not um, it's not that we don't care about solving that particular problem. Right. Or it's not that we don't want to help folks find fans. It's just we're being at a startup. You have to prioritize. And so we're saying, OK, you know, the problem we're going to solve first is so you're getting a bunch of views on YouTube, but you're not making any money. Right. That's the problem Patreon's focused on. But yeah, advice, make great stuff that you love, that your fans are passionate about, um, and just make it awesome. And then when, you, when you're proud of it and when you see it resonating with other folks, start a Patreon page. And honestly, at that point, just be, be yourself, be honest, 
tell your fans what's going on, invite them in on the journey. Um, the creators who love their fans and whose fans love them back, they do the best on the platform. And then advice for somebody who is in your shoes now, not a creator, but somebody who wants to represent creators. Yeah, just to add value. The, when I first started in this industry, I didn't even take a commission. It's like, I will literally work for free. I will do a good job. I will deliver. And then we'll talk about it. So it's like, you need to provide value before you can just go to someone, throw a contract in front of them and say, hey, let me take X percentage of your revenue. Because it just doesn't work like that. And there's a lot more competition in the space than there used to be when I got started. When I got started, there was probably two or three people that were trying to manage digital influencers, there's, especially in this town. So I think if you're a young kid, find someone that you get along with that you think you can work with for the next decade and then provide value. Don't try and sign 37 people right out of the door because you're not going to last. You seem too good to be true. <laughs> you, I don't know about that. You have all these knowledge nuggets, plus you have this incredible roster of talent. I'm really excited to see what they all have going on. I know you couldn't tell yeah. us much. Is there anything you can tell us? Just give us well, one little, you know, clickbait kind of thing. You know, Well, we talked about the tree video, so we're going <laughs> to see a lot of YouTubers be a part of this Mr. Beast tree challenge. Okay. So it's a dollar to plant a tree. Oh, so and, he did get other YouTubers involved in oh, this. Oh, we're going to have a ton. And it's we'll not within the your community, your your Well, of all the night media clients will probably Obviously. get involved. Do we have others? Oh yeah. Okay. Tons. I won't say anyone's name yet. We'll wait for those announcements, but some people that have been on this podcast are probably going to be involved. Oh. Uh so I, yeah, and like I said, the goal is to plant twenty million trees by Earth Day twenty twenty. So we'll start out. So Mr. Beast will start out with probably a million trees. And then we'll go get 19 more million planted. And yeah, it'll be a phenomenal That's thing. it? Just 19, 19 million? 19 million, yeah. <laughs> That's it's crazy, huh? So in hindsight, 15, 14 years later, you can whisper into young Ian's ear and tell him one piece of advice that might make things transition smoother, business deals better. Would there be something that you would in hindsight tell younger Ian? I don't think so. I mean, I think obviously there was, there was things that didn't work out. But that's but just still part worked of, out in a sense. Yeah. I mean, whether it was like a bad brand deal and we got backlash or, you know, some sort of bad business deal or like, oh, we hired this person and they weren't great. Like that's all part of learning. So whatever bad things happened, they happened and we became better because of it. Absolutely. It actually shaped your journey and probably taught you, you know, how to get over the hurdle and you guys are thriving now. How many... I think I've saw 24 million subscribers across. I might, I might even be shortchanging uh, you. I think we're 25 something. Yeah, I shortchanged you. Subscribers. We were, we were stuck. We were stuck at 22 million for like, I think like a year because just our content was not, was not in the right place. And then once, once we got things correct and we started doing the things that we felt like we needed to do, it immediately changed. Can you wrap your head around, it's a big number, 25 million people wait for your content. Well, I mean, that's, that's subs. a lot. That's subs. And that's also people that subscribed maybe eight years ago that it's are that have moved on. So it's not necessarily 25 million people that are watching okay, content. Okay, fine. But, but still, I mean, starting from a couch doing lip singing videos, fast forward 14 years, you've built an empire that huge behemoths of companies have wanted to buy. It started on a couch, you and your best friend. That's got to be a pinch me. It's weird. It's pretty weird. I mean, you're so in it. It's your life. So you yeah. probably don't see it that way. But from the outside, 
It's an insane story. I, I agree. It's insane. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Absolutely. I'm really excited to see where Smosh goes in the next couple of years. Do you have any, do you have a vision for what you think? Let's not even do a big one, but like, where do you see the, where do you see Smosh in the next year? Let's go like super small. Yeah. Well, we, we got back on our feet in February with Mythical. Mm-hmm. And if these past four months are indicative of where we're going, then I feel very, very positive about our future. That's awesome. It's been, it's been nothing but good shit. The shit's going to get better and better. That's like right. Like the biggest, best shit you've ever seen. Yeah. Behind the Influence is a production of iHeartRadio and TDC Media. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.